0: Ayer's on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Hi there, we're back. It's going to be a fun hour because we have been having fun, a half an hour actually.
1: But it'll seem like an hour because, uh, no, that's not how it goes. Time flies when you're having fun. It doesn't go slow when you're having fun.
0: That's it. In fact, I think the last time we did a show, uh, we talked about having our little 13-month-old granddaughter with us for nine days, and uh, I think we refer to it as Baby Jail, um, which we affectionately call Baby Jail. Um, we really loved having her and had so much fun with her, but it just reminded us of how hard it is to have a little baby that requires care 24-7.
1: And you know, Linda, I wanted to say right at the outset today, you loyal listeners, we, we, we run into you every once in a while on the street or whatever, and we always are impressed that you tune in and listen to us every week, and we're we're grateful to you that you're so indulgent that you let us broadcast from wherever we happen to be. We did the show two weeks ago from a busy airport, and One person said, wow, I I heard all the flights. I could check the flights just by listening to your radio show. (laughs) But that's why it's called Ayers on the Road. We are traveling a lot, and I don't know if we're doing any good, Linda, but we get a chance every week to speak to sometimes hundreds and once in a while thousands of parents. And we love it because people are really at their best when they're thinking about their kids. Have you ever thought of that, Linda? People people may have various problems and people may have things that they're troubled by and people may even have some things that make them not very good people. But when they're talking about their children, my word, it brings out the best in people and it it brings out love. That's really all I can say. I mean... We've got a son who's a new dad. He's just been a dad now for uh, six weeks, Linda, I guess, five or six yeah, weeks. and seven, actually. And it's so fun to watch him because, and he made the observation, and it's sort of obvious to all parents who have just become parents, and that is suddenly you have a new dimension of love in your life. You've got this little helpless infant who does nothing for you and can return no favors, and yet you feel a love for that little tiny baby beyond what you've ever felt before. It's just, it's a, having children is a training ground in love, and I guess we should also say in patience.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In fact, as you were saying that, I was thinking, man, that's so much better than a dog. Um, who chews up all your leather shoes and so on and uh, wets on the carpet. But I guess the baby occasionally could wet on a carpet too. But anyway, <laughs> it really is so fun for us to be back in the fire. We handed off that little 13-month-old to her loving parents who were so excited to see her and took, took off for New York City where they live on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And we uh, hit the airport, as you know. And uh, we headed out for Minneapolis, which um, where we spoke to a group of parents in a very unusual venue. Uh, we were at a beautiful furniture store, <laughs> and they gathered somehow 82 people were able to get in this beautiful um, store, and they gathered the couches and chairs around, and we had an hour and a half to talk about the importance of relationships over achievements and the importance of leaving a legacy living your life so that you're remembered for something good. And we had a lot of fun with that.
1: We sure did. I mean, it's the only place we've ever uh, given a speech or a presentation where everyone got to sit on a big, comfy couch (laughs) because that furniture store had a lot of couches. It worried me at first. I thought, these people are going to fall asleep. But they never fall asleep when Linda's there because Linda (laughs) is dramatic and dynamic. You know, when you said that, that... uh, Kids are, what'd you say? Kids are better than dogs? How'd you phrase that? Yeah,
0: they're a whole lot better than dogs.
1: (laughs) Although be careful because (laughs) there are more and more people who think dogs are a good substitute for kids and, uh, we run into them quite a lot and and we find ourselves, (laughs) we find ourselves actually having a ridic, trying to make a point that should be obvious but it isn't. And the point is you actually might have even more fun with a child than with a dog, and there are people who will argue that point with you, but we 're pet lovers in fact, we were just working this week on a chapter in a new book about pets and about the responsibility they teach and we asked our We asked our kids uh, for inputs and uh, our son jonah wrote and and he had a lot of memories about various pets we'd had over the years and what he 'd learned from them and so on responsibility and he's the one who uh, got got attacked by two Doberman dogs one time and and we were so uh, you know a, a passerby literally probably saved his life and pulled these dogs off of him but we were worried he was so traumatized by that he may not have been as traumatized as we thought because he said in this letter did you ever know that Linda that he the dogs knocked him down he was unconscious so he was probably not as traumatized as he would have been if he'd been awake with those dogs attacking him. But that's another story for another day. The point is, in his note, he said, uh, I love pets, and I remember a lot of them. and uh, And I just want to add one little commentary, which is that, pets should be for the children they should not be the substitutes for the children <laughs> i thought well that's pretty blunt i don't know if we'll put that in the book or not what do you think
0: i don't know well that's absolutely right i mean there are so many people in new york city who have dogs and cats rather than children and i mean they have their own reasons i'm not i'm not judging them but it is kind of amusing to go on the grocery store near where our our kids live there in manhattan and realize that there are two full aisles of dog and cat food and paraphernalia and so on. And and there's one teeny tiny little corner where you can find a little baby food and a box of
1: cereal if you're really lucky. Isn't that something? And again, we're not being judgmental here. In fact, it is true that sometimes you run into people who uh, have a couple of pets, and and they say, and rightly so, I've got these pets to sort of train me and get me ready to have a child. And there there actually is something to that. I mean, pets need, a certain, especially the kind of dogs that people keep in their home or whatever, and, and they, they train an, an owner a little bit in certain ways. Uh, but you want to be a little careful with that because training a child and training a dog are two pretty different things. The problem with children, Linda, is they have this darn thing called agency. They can actually make choices on their own, and, ooh, that's annoying sometimes.
0: <laughs> it is, especially when we want them to
1: do it one way
0: and they want to do
1: it another way.
0: Um, but I just, I can't tell you how much fun we've had with our grandchildren the last little while, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. But we should finish our Minneapolis little jaunt there before we go on. Um There in Minneapolis is a wonderful museum called the Swedish Museum, and since Richard is thoroughly Swedish, we went over to see a gorgeous old mansion that a newspaper magnate who was an immigrant from Sweden had uh, built when he lived in Minneapolis in the early history. And it was so fun because we know quite a lot about Sweden because of our ancestors. And, uh, it was a delightful trip through that museum, don't you think? Well, you
1: know, I I, I wish I knew the numbers on this, but I have a suspicion that, uh, among, among LDS or Mormon people in Utah, I bet about half of them are Scandinavian to some degree in their ancestry. They're just, it's so common to have a Swedish grandparent or, in my case, a fully Swedish mother. And it's wonderful to uh, think about extended family, and that's really what we were doing at that museum. Uh, the, the man who had built that house, the Scandinavian man, was the same age as my grandfather when he left Sweden, only instead of becoming a carpenter and a tradesman like my grandfather did, he became, as Linda mentioned, a newspaper magnate and started the only Swedish language newspaper in the United States. And there in Minnesota is where so many of those Scandinavians were coming. And he made a fortune at it and provided a good service for those people too. But part of what he did had to do with parenting and children. And he tried to keep families together. He only had one child of his own. But I thought this was interesting, Linda. If you subscribe, you were a Swedish immigrant and you were taking this newspaper so you could have news in your native language, you also had the right to go to this mansion where this publisher lived and read any of his library. And he had an enormous library of beautiful leather-bound Swedish books. So uh, I wonder if anyone would do that today. Subscribe to my newspaper, and you can come over to my house anytime you want and use my library. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: a library meant something different in those days without, of course, what what we have at our fingertips now. I mean, that was really a huge deal. But, you know, we really like Minneapolis. We went to the Mall of America, at the biggest mall in the world. I guess. I mean, that's what it says. But um, it really had an amazing amusement park, not quite as big as lagoon, but almost right in the middle of the mall, and a beautiful aquarium. It, no was,
1: it was wonderful, and we, you know, excuse the little travelogue, but we, it is called Ayers on the Road. We're going to take a little break, and when we return, we're going to take you with us on an adventure, and I do mean an adventure. When you go down to Arizona, and the parents are gone, and you take over the five kids, two teenagers and three adolescents, you're going to have an adventure. We'll see you and talk to you about it after the break. All right, I don't know. How do you listeners like that music? It's a little shiny, but uh, <laughs> you know, again, it's kind of growing off. us. Uh, it's like, like it.
0: we're rolling along on bicycles. yeah.
1: <laughs> But it always makes us happy because we get another 15 minutes to talk to you about parenting and families. And, you know, here we are. We we just got back from this nine-day spent of watching this beautiful little 13-month-old full-time being in baby jail, as we call it. And then where did we go from there? We went right to, well, we went to Minnesota and had sort of two nice days of just sort of taking care of ourselves, which seemed kind of like a luxury. And then suddenly we went down to be with our five grandchildren in Gilbert, Arizona. There's such a, uh, a, con- a Utah connection in Gilbert, Arizona. There's so many people we know, and two of our children live there. One of them, Shawnee, who many of you, and I say that with complete confidence because she has 1 million uh, hits on her blog every single month. And so I say with confidence, a lot of you know about the blog 71toes.com, 7-1-T-O-E-S.com comes from the fact that she once, one of her five children had an extra toe when she was born. So at that moment before they corrected that, They had 71 toes in their family, so it's easy to remember. But a lot of you know Shawnee, and she and her husband, Dave, were on a well-deserved break, and we got to hang out with those kids. And when you do that and you haven't done it for a while, you realize that a family of five with teenagers and younger kids is... A complex organism, Linda, complex.
0: Man, to say the least. I do have to say we volunteered for that because we love being with our, grand- their, our grandchildren without their parents. I mean, we love being with them, with their parents. But <laughs> it's a whole different dynamic when the parents are gone, and it's just you and the kids. And uh, That's when you really
1: find out what's going on. You
0: really know what's going on, and you really understand what their parents are going through, you know, when they're... Begging to go to a friend's house or can I do this or that or the other? It, it is just so fun to see that roll around. The problem is that um, I mean not the problem, the good thing about it was that we got there the night before uh, Valentine's Day. And oh, that's so right. um, yeah. it was so fun because we got there and as usual with a, a house full of kids, one child hadn't made her Valentine's yet and she wanted to homemade them and she wanted grandfather to run over to the store and get some Some candy and he says, no, we got to do something without sugar. So he said, okay, (laughs) then sugarless gum. Buy a bunch of packages of sugarless gum. So they did that and came up with a clever little valentine. I bought out,
1: let me just say, I bought out this whole Walgreens drugstore of all the sugarless gum they had and and I thought, what in the world is she going to do with this? And she had it in her mind she could melt down the gum and somehow make it into (laughs) heart-shaped. Oh, I didn't even know about (laughs) that. And we got there and realized that wasn't going to work. And so kids are creative, right? So she just decided to get some hearts and and say I heart and then put the little sticks of gum into a U. And so she made 33 of those. Well, we sort of made them. (laughs) We helped her make them. We, we helped her make them. And then the other kids were making other valentines. Oh, and of-
0: cookies. We other words, oh, I have to make cookies for my class. There's 33 kids, and our son came over who uh, is in Arizona and teaching school there, and loving that. And that's another story. But uh, he came over and helped do to supervise the cookies, and so we got those all done. And then Shawnee had left a, pa- a bag of goodies for the Thanksgiving breakfast, which we always did at our house. We always had a special cup with a little candy in it in the mornings on uh, Valentine's Day. And so we had some pink pancakes, and we had special plates and rose petals, and (laughs) it was really, really fun. But I'll tell you what time we did that breakfast, 6.30 a.m.
1: 6.30 a.m. Can any of you, I'll ask a rhetorical question. Why on earth? Do high schools start at seven in the morning? I mean, that goes against everything. That goes against nature, Linda. Everybody knows teenagers need to sleep a little more, and, and <laughs> so these kids have to leave for high school at six thirty in the morning. And I'm like, what is this for? The teachers? Who are we serving here? But anyway, I want to get on that soapbox. Well,
0: well, I will because the other problem is that. The elementary kids don't start sometimes till eight forty five or nine and they're the ones that are up bouncing off the walls early in the morning and the teenagers are the ones that need their sleep so desperately because they've been up doing homework all night anyway okay no, that's well me.
1: we're off our soapbox, but we want to get some <laughs> some conclusions and maybe some advice for some of you parents which is rekindled really in our minds and if your grandparents too because you know one of the interesting things is. There are way more grandparents now taking care, being the primary caregivers to to young children than there have been over the last several decades. Although, as most of you know, in in other countries, other parts of the world, grandparents are very and have always been intricately involved in raising the kids. In fact, there are a lot of cultures where the parents are off working and the grandparents living in the same home all the time are the ones who care for the kids. I think that that, that the perfect balance is to have very involved active grandparents but to have the grandparents and the parents in really good open communication and to have the grandparents acknowledge that the parents are really the stewards over those children and that what they're not supposed to do is come in as know-it-all grandparents and reorganize the home and. Tell their kids how to be better parents to their grandkids, and so on. That's a recipe for disaster, obviously. But the ideal world is one where grandparents get an opportunity, as we try to get as often as we can, to be helpful, to be in the home, to take care of the kids, to give the kids a break, to get away, and, and to be there, and you know, I, within reason, as babysitters and different things. And to have frequent conversations with the parents. How is Max doing? How is Ellie doing? As we did. These are the kids we were with. and We learned so much about those kids. I and mean, It's a good sounding board for the parents to give you their views on how those kids are doing. But like you say, Linda, there's nothing like actually taking over for a few days. I mean, here, you know, you talk about Valentine's Day. Here's this this handsome 15 year old grandson, our oldest grandson, who's six foot four and is an athlete. And I mean, the problem he had on Valentine's Day is this girl calling him all day long and him telling <laughs> his sister, tell her I can't talk to her right now. And then she'd call back five minutes later. But I mean, it's just such a drama.
0: Well, it is. And they're both, I mean, he is into volleyball mega. And had to be at the school at 5 a.m. every morning the week before we got there. See, it could have been worse. Could have been worse, We could have had to have him at the school at 5. And then uh, the daughter, is a 13, 14-year-old, is uh, trying out for the tennis team for high school and thinks she's going to make varsity, and that's high stress. And there's just so much stuff going on. Now, some of you are lucky enough to live close to your grandchildren. We do not, although we do see them a lot because we travel so much. We just had four of them here this weekend for a wedding that they came for. And then we're going to see them uh, in California. We're doing a big retreat, which we'll talk about next week. But um, it really is interesting that many of you have grandchildren living close and some have grandchildren living far away. And all of ours live far away except one family that lives in Ogden. So we have really learned how to communicate with our grandchildren through the media. And I think it's so important to be in touch with them and to, for them to know that you're there, that not all the time, but just that you're watching. Um, Pinterest, uh, not Pinterest. Um, Instagram, Instagram is
1: probably the favorite of some of them. But it is true that, and I, in fact, let me be a little bold because I don't want to try to tell you other grandparents who may be listening how to how to live your life, but I will tell you this for what it's worth. If you want to be in touch with your grandkids and yet you don't want to really get into electronic communication, you've got a basic problem. And, and so, you know, swallow your old school habits and get on, get on Instagram, get on Facebook, get on text. Twitter, um, learn how to text. I mean, just learning how email, to text. Email, no
0: more. I mean, the kids do not do email. Adults do email. Kids text. And texting isn't hard if you can learn to you use your finger. Can't I can't do my thumb My I can't thumbs are do my too thumbs. big. I can do finger, two fingers or whatever, and I'm getting a little better. But And it's hard at first. To, but really, if you don't know how to do it, just ask one of your grandchildren. Because they'll teach Every you. one yeah. of them know how to do it. Well
1: your grandkids teach you how to text, and they'll teach you how to abbreviate. You'll learn what LOL means. I mean, you'll learn a whole lot of things. And be active, be involved. You don't have to be with them all the time in order to really know what your grandkids are doing. But I'm going to end, and then we're just about out of time, but I'm going to end by saying, please remember, grandparents, you are not in charge. The parents are, and you need to take your cues from them, and you need to find a way to be a supplement to your children who are parenting your grandchildren. If you can do that, you'll be a happy family. I have to add, you are in charge
0: of being in touch with them and feeling like you know a little bit about what's going on. For the younger kids, we're doing a little questionnaire this summer, and I'm just going to hand a little questionnaire out. and What are you worried about most? What's your favorite thing that's happened this year? What's uh, your favorite food? You know, just things that you really need to know about them. And we have so many. I can't remember whose favorite food is what. But if you have it on paper, then if you, when you have them individually, you can be more informed about their lives and what's going on.
1: That's right. And I, I, what I've committed to do this year, and we're not saying that we're all that great. In fact, what we're really saying is we've, we, we haven't be been, we yeah. need to be better. And so we've made these resolutions. And one of mine is I'm going to take each of my grandkids on a special grandfather date this year, and they get to plan the whole thing, where they go and what they eat and what they do and I'm just going to be there for them and we're going to make them three three hours long or so and I'm going to bring my little notebook and learn all I can about each of these wonderful grandkids because the more you know, the more you can be a helper. Now, we're going to be looking forward to being with you next week. By then, we will have had a couple more very interesting meetings with, with parents around the country and we'll share with you, as we always do, some of the things we learn in Ayers on the Road. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.